Hi, and welcome to the Sustainalytics podcast. Thanks for joining us today. In today's episode, we'll be chatting about the newest report in our 10-4 series, 10 for 2020, Creating Impact Through Thematic Investing. My name is Melissa Chase, and I'm a marketing manager here at Sustainalytics. And today I'm joined by Doug Morrow, Director of Portfolio Research, Martin Vezer, Manager of Thematic Research, and Megan Wallingford, Associate Director of Product Strategy and Development. Thank you all for joining today. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. In today's episode, as I mentioned, we're chatting about 10 for 2020, creating impact through thematic investing. And in this report, we're taking a look at 10 ESG-inspired investment themes for 2020. So, Doug, can you give us a little bit of background on this year's report? Sure, Melissa. So this is uh, the sixth edition in our 10-4 series. It stretches all the way back to 2015. Sustainalytics has been putting this report uh, series out uh, every January for the last six years. And essentially, it's our flagship thought leadership report. So we really uh, use this uh, this report to analyze 10 highly topical themes or trends taking place in the market. We carried on that legacy this year by really drilling down on, on 10, uh, I would characterize almost transformational changes taking place in, um, in different industries across the economy. And in one major innovation to this, uh, this year's report, we assessed each of the investment themes against the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, just you know, recognizing the, um, the importance that the SDGs have come to play in the ESG world, in the RI world, uh, both in terms of uh, shaping the sustainability roadmaps of, of investors as well as, uh, as well as corporates. So really, at the end of the day, what we tried to do in this report, which I think we did successfully, is providing insightful analysis on, on 10 topical ESG themes and then assessing these themes against the, uh, the SDGs to really indicate and show that um, investors can potentially create positive impact through uh, investing in public equities. Mm-hmm. So what what did you find in, in this year's report? Well, we, um, as in previous years, we uh, produced 10 vignettes, if you will, or, or 10 individual stories um, across 10 different industries in the economy. But really, they can be grouped under four broad headings when you look at the underlying um, underlying themes and trends. So we have three stories in a, in a technology bucket. So Obviously, technology, the pervasiveness of technology, the incredibly rapid change of technology is having disruptive effects everywhere. So we, um, we look at some of these effects in the mining industry, in, um, in internet software and services, as well as um, in the machinery industry. So these are three um, technology-driven stories. We have two stories under this, um, this grouping called health and society. So really looking at methods of sustainable production, shifting consumer preferences, and things like that. We have a couple of stories under ecosystem stewardship, as we call it. We're really assessing here the major pressures that companies in high impact industries are facing to minimize their um, both their environmental and social footprints. And then perhaps unsurprisingly, we have a basket of stories on climate change. So they're called, uh, the bucket is called mitigating climate change. And we're looking here at some pretty fascinating examples of companies and industries incorporating climate change considerations into their business planning and business strategy. And here we're looking at utilities, oil and gas, and the reinsurance segment of the insurance industry. Great, Doug. Thanks. Thanks for that overview. So you mentioned that um, in this year's report, we take a look at how these investment themes are mapped to the sustainable development goals. Um, Megan, can you talk about how the themes 
and the SDGs were mapped uh, in a bit more detail and how this mapping is useful for investors in understanding this report. Certainly. Thanks, Melissa. Um, So maybe just to start, for those listeners who might be less familiar with the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, 2020 actually marks the global community's fifth year into this 15-year journey around the SDGs. And the SDGs are really this set of ambitious global goals that are intended to be sort of like a blueprint for peace and prosperity and achieving a sustainable future. Now, there are 17 different goals. They cover both environmental and social issues, and the issues range from Uh, addressing everything from climate change or climate action to no poverty to clean water and sanitation to sustainable cities. Now, what we've seen here at Sustainalytics over the last couple of years is really this continued increase in the level of interest from the market around the SDGs. And for the most part, investors that are interested in impact and sustainability have really adopted the SDGs as an authoritative framework and are seeking creative ways to really make and demonstrate substantial contribution to the goals. And we see this across asset classes and across investment strategies. So it really isn't, um, it really isn't the case with a certain type of investor or a certain type of strategies. It does run a wide range of, of investors and asset classes. Great. And can you tell us a bit about how and why investors are incorporating the SDGs into their processes? Yeah, so some investors take a broad approach. Um, They're seeking to support all SDGs or as many as possible, while others are more focused. So they're choosing to concentrate on certain SDGs that align with their mission and values or perhaps impact themes that they they had already chosen to focus on. And in terms of that how and why, we really are seeing three general ways to use the framework. So one, investors are using it for goal setting, which I've already alluded to. Two, they're using it to actually guide portfolio construction or fund creation. And third, um, still others are using it for communication or reporting purposes. So with all of this sort of in mind, we wanted to put the SDGs front and center in our report this year in order to explore each theme through the lens of one or more SDGs and really unpack how that theme might actually be aligning to or contributing to the SDGs. Um, And by doing this, we're really hoping to demonstrate how investors can contribute to the SDGs while pursuing opportunities in the equity market. I think the outcome is is quite an interesting one. We've managed to hit on a wide range of SDGs. So you'll see we touch on um, across our 10 themes, nine different SDGs. And we explore connections and topics like how 5G technology can be leveraged in infrastructure upgrades to drive increased resource efficiency, which is a core target of SDG 9, industry innovation and infrastructure. Or, for example, how slow fashion, which is really about reimagining production and consumption processes in the apparel industry, um, how it's aligned to SCG 12, or many of the practices in slow fashion are very much aligned to SCG 12, which is about responsible consumption or production. And in a third and a final example, um, another interesting one would be the exploration of digitization and automation in mining, which is actually being leveraged to provide safer and healthier work environments for employees, which is ultimately aligned to and contributes to SDG 8, which is about decent work and economic growth. 
So I think at the end of the day, what we're hoping to encourage is to encourage investors really to explore and ultimately to adopt the SDG lens in their investment practices and in uh, their decision making. Great. Thanks for that, Megan. So Doug and Martin, let's kick it back to you guys to um, chat a little bit more about the themes that are covered within the report. Doug, you mentioned that the report's broken up into four major buckets, so maybe we can cover each of those in the next part of this broadcast. Uh, The first bucket that we have here is scaling on big tech, so maybe you can give us a bit of background on what you guys found in this area. Sure, I can uh, start this one off. Uh, For the first story, we looked at 5G. This is the fifth generation of wireless technology. Uh, This technology promises uh, great advances over the previous major wireless technology 4G. Uh, So 5G promises uh, theoretical peak speeds that go way above and beyond the uh, previous uh, technology. So it's about 10 times faster. We can hook up about 10 times more devices and we'll create a range of financial opportunities. The World Economic Forum estimates will unlock about $13 trillion in global economic value by 2035. We look at this uh, from an SDG lens in terms of uh, the sustainable development goal number nine, which is industry, innovation, and infrastructure. Uh, So this SDG is a call to action to build resilient infrastructure and promote inclusive, sustainable industrialization. Um, And we think 5G can contribute to this goal as it improves the capacity to process, transmit, uh, and collect data. Uh, But we also recognize that executing a 5G strategy can be challenging. It requires a robust technical talent and uh, quality management for companies in this space. And um, so we we run an analysis using our uh, material ESG issue measures. Um, So material ESG issues, we refer to as MEIs for short. Uh, And the two MEIs that we use uh, in this analysis are product governance and human capital. Uh, And once we look at range of companies that enter different points of the 5G value chain, we identify Cisco as uh, relatively well positioned on these issues and we feature it as an upside play on this particular theme. Doug covered the next two themes in this basket, so I'll pass it over to him now. Yeah, thanks Martin. So uh, the second theme in this uh, scaling big tech category is focused on the mining industry and really we're looking here at some of the transformative changes taking place in terms of technology, um, such as augmented reality, virtual reality, uh, digital twinning, big data, blockchain, etc., and we show how not only do these technologies offer an obvious cost reduction benefit, but there's also a an ESG value capture as well in terms of uh, improved uh, lost time injury rates and reduced fatalities. We analyze the industry and we we show that mining companies that are implementing a lot of these technologies can potentially contribute to SDG eight, which is focused on decent work and economic growth. We conclude the piece by assessing a basket of 10 mining companies from our coverage universe on their overall level of unmanaged ESG risk, which is central to our model. And we also cross-reference by looking at mining companies that are piloting and implementing a lot of these technologies. And really, at the end of the day, the company that offers exposure to these technologies, but in a low ESG risk kind of way, is Anglo-American. They're doing a lot of really interesting stuff, a lot of technologies being deployed under their future smart mining approach and, uh, and initiative. So that's a quick summary of, um, of the mining piece. And then the final 
vignette under this uh, technology heading looks at the growing rate of uh, automation in the uh, industrial sector and the machinery sub-industry in particular, looking at, for instance, the growing use of robots in industrial manufacturing facilities and things like that. There's a big concern here. On the one, on the one hand, these technologies offer, you know, similar to the mining story, uh, a cost reduction benefit, improved profitability, but there's also you know, the obvious risk of uh, workers in low-skilled jobs being uh, displaced by, uh, by robots. So we, we call attention to some of those risks. We make the case that um, companies in this industry that are implementing new technologies around automation, but also, you know, investing in programs to retrain and reskill workers can contribute to SDG 8. So on the one hand, implementing these technologies, but, but hedging against some of these uh, structural displacement of workers, uh, th- those risks. Uh, so yeah, in the end, we assessed many, like a basket of companies in the industrial sector on our human capital MEI, which encapsulates a lot of these risks. And the company that that performs best is called CNH Industrial. They are doing a lot of very interesting things and doing so in a way that minimizes their human capital risk. So they have a lot of human capital management programs set up and a dedicate, things like a dedicated chief human resources officer. So little um, flagstones like that. So yeah, that's a summary, Melissa, of the three stories under that first uh, scaling big tech category. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, certainly sounds like big tech is a bit of a double-edged sword for a, a number of industries, and it gives investors a lot to think about. So moving on to the next bucket, health and society, um, what are some of the vignettes that uh, you focused on under that bucket? Yeah, we have uh, two stories under the health and society category. The first one is on connected medical devices. Uh, We're looking at producers of connected medical devices as um, potential opportunities for investors who are looking to gain exposure to some areas of the market that are poised for growth, uh, especially in the Internet of Things healthcare market. Several drivers that we cover in the report include the aging population globally, as as well as other health and safety benefits offered by uh, connected medical devices that could be used to address other medical concerns. So we focus in on this segment of the Internet of Things and healthcare to see how companies are working to improve good health and well-being. Uh, This is SDG 3. We also look at SDG 12, responsible consumption and production. And the reason that we're looking at that is that some of these um, device manufacturers are looking for ways to uh, mitigate their environmental footprint when producing medical devices, uh, but also in addressing after-use materials that come from them. So for our company analysis, we, again, use some of the MEIs in our toolkit. So one is product governance, and the other one is environmental and social impact of products. Uh, We also couple the MEI analysis with uh, some controversy analysis. So uh, company controversies are part of what go into our MEI assessment, but we pull these out because they're particularly telling uh, to see how companies have been performing over time on issues related to the theme. Um, And in this case, we're looking at uh, several controversies related to 
cybersecurity uh, and product safety. So once we you know, look at a bunch of uh, companies in the medical device manufacturing space, we find that Royal Philips really stands out as being on the lower end of the risk side on both of these MEIs compared to its peers, and has also managed to steer clear of some of those relevant high impact controversies. So now moving to the um, second story in this category of uh, health and society, we take a look at this interesting trend in slow fashion. So many of our listeners are likely aware of the sustainability challenges facing the fast fashion industry. Uh, These concerns have been mounting since the infamous factory collapse in Bangladesh back in uh, 2013. Um, But just as recently as uh, December 2019, uh, fire factories in Delhi uh, really renewed investor interest and scrutiny of some of the uh, environmental and social concerns of the garment manufacturing process. So our story takes a look at this movement uh, away from fast fashion and towards slow fashion in the apparel industry. Um, Slow fashion is not just about producing less, but it's really about producing goods in a way that is socially and environmentally conscious by addressing issues such as living wages, safe working conditions, uh, and water pollution in the manufacturing process. So we see an opportunity here for companies that are moving towards uh, slow fashion uh, to mitigate risk, but also capitalize on growing consumer demand related to sustainable products. Uh, And this is something that we see uh, particularly among younger generations of consumers. The mapping onto the uh, SDGs uh, that we offer in this piece focuses on SDG 12, Responsible Consumption and Production. Um, And this uh, SDG, it's a global call to action to reimagine consumption and production, both in terms of processes and patterns that go into manufacturing and trying to align those factors with a more sustainable future. When we do our company analysis, we look at a few of the MEIs in our research methodology. So one is human rights and the other is environmental and social impacts of products and services. We also take a look at controversies um, related to these MEIs, uh, such as human rights and supply chain and um, and labor relation controversies. Uh, and once we look at a, a set of companies, the one that stands out as being relatively lower risk is Kering. So this firm is at the forefront of sustainable production uh, in apparel and luxury apparel, uh, and it's rethinking the way the industry is approaching consumer demand for more uh, sustainable products. Thanks, Martin. Uh, thanks for sharing those stories. So the next category uh, that's covered in the report is ecosystem stewardship. What are the things investors should be thinking about in this area? What do we what are we focused on in, in this bucket? Well, the, the first theme in this bucket is uh, looking at cleaner shipping. Yeah, we find many risks really intensifying for the shipping industry this year. You know, it's uh, an industry that is responsible for a significant amount of greenhouse gases uh, globally, uh, and some projections are forecasting the overall share of global greenhouse gas emissions coming from shipping to rise significantly over the next 30 years. Uh, So shipping companies could become a target for uh, regulators, in fact, they already are, um, as well as investors and other stakeholders looking to address concerns related to climate change. Um, But there are other issues facing uh, the shipping industry um, 
connected to emissions, effluents, and waste. Um, you know, these types of outputs are problematic, uh, both from an environmental perspective as well as a human health perspective. Um, one other major risk factor uh, that we cover in this story has to do with the discharge of solid waste. This is a problem for marine organisms. Marine life is also facing risks related to vessel strikes and noise that comes from shipping. So, you know, with all these environmental concerns in mind, um, you know, we are thinking of framing um, potential contribution from the shipping industry to several SDGs, including SDG 12, that's responsible consumption and production. We've already covered that. SDG 13, that's focused on climate action. And SDG 14, which is about life below water. Yeah, when it comes to uh, SDG 12, shippers can maximize the energy efficiency of their current and new vessels uh, and reduce waste by increasing the use of reused and recycled materials in their construction of ships and in their maintenance of ships. With respect to SDG 13, uh, some leading companies in this space are working on research that focuses on investing in ways to scale up low carbon solutions such as onboard electric batteries and biofuels. Uh, and then finally, the SDG 14 that we look at, uh, Life Below Water, is something that we have been looking at in terms of the shipping industry um, when it comes to ensuring adherence to stringent environmental standards in the operation of ships um, and the way that shipping companies adopt new technologies to protect marine ecosystems. And you know, such technologies include treatment systems uh, that are already available to ship owners. Um, and these technologies can help reduce the amount of waste released into the oceans while they're at sea. So with this, uh, we focused on uh, five of the top 10 uh, shippers in terms of the overall global fleet capacity. Uh, we use some of our MEIs, uh, the Carbon Own Operations MEI, as well as emissions, effluents, and waste. We also consider the size of these companies because these larger shippers have greater potential uh, influence on the industry overall. Uh, and when we assess five of these major shippers, Maersk stands out. Uh, it's the largest firm in our sample with a market cap of about $29 billion. And it's relatively well positioned on both of these MEIs compared to its peers. So we think it has the potential to have an outsized influence on the industry. Uh, it accounts for about 21% of global fleet capacity, which is significant. It's the largest um, shipper in that respect. Thanks for that, Martin. So, Doug, um, what else do we cover in the ecosystem stewardship category in the report? In um, the second vignette under the ecosystem stewardship category, we took a look at biodiversity loss, which I would characterize as you know certainly an extremely important risk, but also one that I think was um, is often overlooked by financial institutions around the world. We we basically show that there's a small number of leading edge financial institutions. They tend to be not publicly traded, so development banks or uh, only small cooperative banks who are taking initial steps at factoring in uh, biodiversity risk, biodiversity loss, et cetera, uh, into the credit process, which is really, really interesting and I think is you know likely eventually to be picked up by some of the larger publicly traded players. But uh, you know, watch this, watch the space and see. Uh, but certainly a fascinating set of de developments taking place in the industry. We connect what's going on in the industry to SDG 15, life on land, and show how banks that are taking steps to integrate biodiversity risk into you know, how they think about debt and debt financing could contribute to many of the targets that underpin this, uh, this SDG. And in terms of the company analysis, 
Yeah, as I mentioned before, we run many of the banks that we know are involved in and, and have exposure to this new type of risk assessment through our model. We um, assess them on one of the MEIs in our toolkit called ESG Integration Financials. And company that really floats to the top in this analysis is uh, based in, in the Netherlands. They're called De Volksbank. And it's really one of their underlying brands, ASN Bank, that uh, we characterize as a world leader when it comes to um, integrating biodiversity risk into, into how they think about uh, credit decision making. So that's a summary of that piece. Great. Thanks, Doug and Martin. So the final topic category that is covered in the report is focused on mitigating climate change. So what are the themes or stories that uh, you guys covered under that category? Yeah, I guess no surprise that we're looking at climate change. It's obviously one of the big it issues in the RI world and has been for quite some time. We have three themes under this heading. The first is what we call the stories called the game changer. So we're taking a specific look here at the battery storage market and battery storage deployments by utilities. I mean, battery storage obviously is, is in some respects all the rage these days just in terms of the enabling role that it can play in fully unleashing the renewables uh, phenomenon because I, I mean obviously solar and wind have been on a have been on a tear globally but at the end of the day there is the intermittency challenge and, and batteries are ideally positioned to uh, to help get over this challenge so that's um, that's how we characterize it in the story we make the case that utilities that are investing in battery storage can potentially contribute to SDG 7, which is focused on affordable and, and clean energy. When it comes to the company analysis, we look at utilities that uh, are taking early steps in this direction, and we assess them on their overall level of unmanaged ESG risk. And the company that really you know, performs well in this assessment is, uh, is Axiona. Uh, not only do they have relatively low ESG risk compared to their peers, but they're also uh, a world leader when it comes to announced and installed projects for, uh, for battery storage. So lots for investors to be excited about there. And the second theme is um, the, the title of the story is uh, Big Transitions from Big Oil. You know, clearly oil and gas companies face uh, long-term structural headwinds in an economy that is you know, looking to move to, you know, to, de to uh, decarbonize. And we basically investigate the extent to which the big oil majors are looking to diversify their revenue streams and invest in, in low carbon technologies and, and projects. When it comes to the SDG connection, we look at SDG 13, uh, but we're very careful here. And this piece is perhaps unique in the sense that the industry, I mean, let's face it, it, it is fundamentally misaligned with the achievement of, um, you know, of the SDGs in terms right. of its core product. But we make the case that um, companies that are investing at the margin um, you know, in low carbon alternatives or are taking steps to incorporate climate change risk into how they think about the world in terms of project planning, et cetera, uh, you know, could contribute to, um, you know, to this SDG at, at, the, at the margin. So it's a, it's a bit of a complicated one. It certainly sounds complicated. In terms of our company analysis, as I said, we concentrate here on the big oil majors and we score them on our Carbon Products and Services MEI, so one of the MEIs in our in our toolkit. And uh, at the end, the company we profile is uh, is Total. You know, they're doing, I would argue, and our analysts uh, would would argue, doing a relatively good job when it comes to diversifying their revenue streams. They're engaged in multiple alternative energy technologies, including renewables, hydrogen, etc. So that's a bit of a summary there. And the final story is focused on the reinsurance segment of the broader insurance industry. 
Uh, obviously, climate change is front and center for insurers and, and reinsurers and has been for a long time. And we just show the response that the industry is taking to the growing threat of, um, of climate risk. I think there's a lot of evidence in the market that models are struggling to keep pace with a degree of change in terms of natural loss events and climate events and things like that. Uh, many reinsurers are obviously readjusting premiums on, on PNC policies, looking to improve the accuracy of their climate models, you know, through the use of AI and, and other technologies. And also, we talk about how a growing number of reinsurers are exploring and indeed entering uh, both the cat bond market, which is relatively well established, um, but also the resilience bond market, which is much less established, but lots of interesting products there. In terms of SDGs, we argue that reinsurers that are you know, implementing these practices could potentially contribute to SDG 11, which is focused on uh, sustainable cities and communities. And in terms of our company analysis, we look at all the usual suspects that uh, listeners might might expect, uh, Swiss Re, uh, Munich Re, and others. And we summarize some of the interesting steps these companies are taking. But at the end of the day, the company we profile is Swiss Re. Lots of interesting developments here, including um, you know thinking about and, and implementing new types of risk transfer products. And more broadly, they were among the first reinsurers to really think about how ESG factors can uh, affect the the performance of their investment portfolio. So that's a summary there. Terrific. Thank you so much, um, Martin and Doug and Megan, for providing this wealth of information for our listeners about the 10 for 2020 report and some of the themes and, and areas that we think investors should be focused on or will be focused on in the year to come. If you're interested in downloading a copy of 10 for 2020, please visit our website at www.sustainalytics.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And thank you again, Doug, Megan, and Martin for joining us today. Thanks, Thanks Melissa. Melissa. Thanks, everyone, for listening.